1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend and a fantastic start to your week. Uh, Great show for you today. Uh, I was joined by my brother, Jim Garrity. Always a great time talking to Jim. Uh, And we covered a lot. We talked about the current state of the Trump 2024 campaign. Uh, We talked about Trump's bizarre praise of California Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, Real weird stuff there. Uh, We talked about all of the failed uh, 2022 midterm candidates on the right who are apparently all... uh, all setting up runs again in 2024 and what Republicans can do to actually win this time around. Um, I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Jim, if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, if you're an Apple user, please please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Jim Garrity. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my friend Jim Garrity. Jim, how have you been, man?
0: Uh, I was on vacation last week, and I was doing great. Uh, And this is now, we're taping this on a Wednesday, and my my mood has crashed. No, um, (laughs) but this is, you know, back to work, back to reality, back to the political scene. And uh, I miss the beach. I miss thinking about things besides politics and government and the state of the world and the country, because things aren't going great on that front, and I'd, I'd much rather communicate good news to people than bad news.
1: Couldn't agree more. I, I'm I'm lucky though, man. I I have a, a you know a five week old daughter. I can just stare at her for a while and forget about everything you, going on outside of my house. So I just yes. your that. life
0: has been transformed. <laughs> and, you know, congratulations again. Uh, every I don't know about you, but like when you announce that you're expecting, I, I I've noticed that a lot of people will tell you their horror stories. Yeah. Oh my God, let me tell you what happened to my wife's body after that. Or oh my God, you'll never get a good night's sleep again. Or yeah. okay. Nobody tells you how great it is and right. how, you know, whatever, like, you know, as I'm sure you are now experiencing firsthand. Like, pardon me for getting up on my soapbox. But this is one of the things that I feel like, you know, parents, yeah, soon to be parents and uh, aspiring parents need to hear this. Um, you know, I, you'd have, you know, pre, pre-fatherhood, I'd have, you know, ups and downs and moods, shifts and, and all that kind of stuff. You have a baby and all of a sudden, like, you don't have time to be depressed anymore. You yeah. don't have time to be, because you got to get up every morning because somebody needs you. Somebody, yeah. you know, that, that you got to go out and get those groceries. You got to go out and help your wife, you know, with everything she's dealing with. Um, you you have a, a duty and you have important, there's significance. You no longer have any doubts about, does what I do matter? Because if, you know, what, if you don't do it right, this baby's going to be crying all night. And yeah. you, this you know, like your life is now utterly transformed. And I don't, I think people are almost afraid to talk about that. Um, so yeah, so congratulations again uh listeners please be patient with Brady if he you know falls <laughs> asleep mid interview. Uh my answers have been known to ramble and be boring anyway. So kind of like the the gentle tones of my voice will slowly lull you to sleep.
1: Uh It's funny. It is Uh, it definitely simplifies things because there's not well, a lot of decisions to make. At least not yet. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you don't really have a choice. It's just one, well, you got to feed her or change her and you know, that's just what you're doing all the time and you're not you don't really have to comp- contemplate anything. It's just this is what you do, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it keeps you focused, and it really simplifies life, I will say that, mm. at least inside my house. Outside outside my front door, everything gets crazy, and yeah, it's mm. uh, coming out. I felt like a, like a grizzly bear waking up after a, a long winter after that first few weeks where I was off of work, and... You know, I'm looking at email and my my editors like, hey, what should I write about this and that? I'm like, man, I have not pay attention to anything. I have no yes, idea what's, you know? what's happening in the
0: world. You know, the poop was green today. That's what's <laughs> new in my world. You know, but, uh, yeah. So I, I, I hope every every, no, no, uh, every new new dad, new mom has an employer that is as flexible and sympathetic as mine was. But I found most people, when you when you tell them, yeah, we just had a child, or we're, you know, we got a newborn, or we have a six-month-old, you know, most people will cut you a ton of slack, right? Uh, and particularly if they're parents, but even if they're not, they recognize you are going through this grand change in your life that turns everything upside down, and one of the big consequences is you're probably not getting as much sleep, mm-hmm. um, and thus you may not be quite as focused and on the ball, and things are gonna. Slip through the cracks. And I think most people, you know, like this, this is part of the the um, responsibility we take on for the continuation of the human race. There is an upside to all this. Yeah, we <laughs> right. we kind of need to do this sort of thing. So. Right.
1: Yeah, it is imperative. Definitely. Um, so where to start? Uh, I was off on Monday, so we have even more to talk about than usual. Um I haven't really been writing or talking on the show very much about Trump and the twenty twenty four primaries very much, but I do want to. And it makes sense, you know. In, in in a in a perfect world, that would make perfect sense because it is April twenty twenty three. But you know, we we live in strange times. But uh, you know, I hear all you guys in the comments, so yeah, I do have some things to say, and we'll start here. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of people saw it. And I'll, I'll tweet it out if uh, right under the show once it's out. But Trump did a Fox News interview last night with Tucker Carlson. And I don't watch cable news, but, you know, for the show, obviously, I catch the highlights or read the transcript, at least, for all the good folks at home. And I want to start with this. Trump said something that really highlights why his campaign is a basket case right now and why he was undone in nearly everything he tried to accomplish as president. Trump last night felt it necessary to praise Gavin Newsom. Um, the man who, who is single-handedly attempting to destroy the state of
0: California. The, the but, former Mr. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Maybe that's one of the reasons. The former, that, uh,
1: yeah, I, I, yeah, I forgot about that angle there. That's a that's a weird one. That, that makes it even more bizarre, to be honest with you. But his reasoning was, quote, he says nice things about me. So I just want to check the scoreboard, Jim. <laughs> Trump, <laughs> Trump likes Gavin Newsom, Stacey Abrams, mm. Rob Blagojevich, Laura Loomer, Anthony Fauci, Charlie Crist. You can add, I don't know, Kim Jong Un to, to the list. Yeah. But he really hates Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Brian Kemp. You can't run a country. You can't run a campaign for president based on who kisses your ass and who doesn't.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you could have added uh, my current governor Glenn Young Youngkin, which I point out sounds Chinese. Sounds Chinese. Yeah. But it's it's not just that Trump criticizes and trashes these people. He always picks the most important and relevant criteria to right. trash these people. Yeah, um, look, I I, I I can fairly be characterized as never Trump. I did not vote for him uh, either time. I either in primaries or in the general election. Um, I'm capable of recognizing he did things that I like. I like his judicial nominations. I liked the increase in defense spending. I liked the tax cuts. Uh, right to try, uh, some of the, the uh, recidiv- anti-recidivism programs in the criminal justice reform. Trump had a wide variety of accomplishments in office. Uh, the Abraham Accords. You can right. find things to like in that. Yeah. And I think the president should be given credit when I, you know, when he does things that I like or other conservatives like. Um, but we should that should not blind us to his flaws. And I think you you put your finger on it that in Trump's mind, the single most important criteria, the litmus test, is does this person say things nice to Trump or do they criticize him? And if you criticize him, you are on the enemies list and you are completely irredeemable. And the president will, you know, uh, he occasionally does forgive people. He tends to forgive the people who seem like the oddest and most unforgivable, like Steve Bannon. Like when Trump fired Bannon because he'd said nasty things about or not, he'd been, he'd been harshly criticized, shall we say, Right, uh, Ivanka and Jared. Well, now as a new father, right, you understand, you talk trash about my kid, you're out of right. Like I, right. I, I can respect the president for that. You know, yeah, yeah. one of the most sensible personnel choices. But apparently just by sucking up to Trump enough, Bannon got back into his good graces. Um, And so it's just this, the, the Gavin Newsom, like, I, I, the scenario that I it's unlikely to happen, but the, I think a lot of conservatives would have loved to have seen a 2024 presidential election that was Ron DeSantis against Gavin Newsom, the Florida model of governance versus the California model of governance and say to America, which one's going better? Which one do you want to move to? Which one are you noticing people moving to? And which state are you seeing people move out of? Right. Which right. place can you afford to live? Which place? Uh, feels safer. Which place feels better managed? Um, did,
1: did California lose one or two congressional districts?
0: <laughs> one of them, but I'm, I'm sure it was close. And also part of it is that they start with so many. So like, right. you know, um, you know, in a lot of states, if a million people move out, that's a huge deal. Right. In Florida, because population is so large, it doesn't seem as much. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, by by all kinds of measures, I think it's safe to say that California, like, look, if you're rich, California is terrific. Sure. Um, and certain things are, you know, like there are certain businesses that can move out, uh, Hollywood product, you know, Hollywood productions have moved North to Vancouver and places like Georgia and stuff like that. But the central Valley and agriculture, you can't move that to another state. No. Um, Silicon Valley, I think it's kind of spreading out, but a lot of that stuff is already there. The infrastructure is already there. That's not going to leave on a dime. Um, right particularly quickly. They have, you know, as as Trump, Trump said that the Florida success is because of the sunshine and the beaches. Well, you know, Florida's, uh, California's got really nice weather. A lot of people are always going to choose to live in that kind of nice weather. Um, it's got things going for it that lots of other states just can't match. So it's always going to have those working for it. The real question is, what is working that the state of go- the state government can control and the short answer on that was almost nothing <laughs> from the yeah. high speed rail to the taxation rates, to the regulation, to the difficulty of building new buildings and uh, a shortage of affordable housing. Ha- you know, by almost every measure, California is a, a really difficult place to live, to enjoy all those you know nice things about the weather and job opportunities and things like that. So, yeah. you know, look, I, I think that's what, Amer- what a lot of Republicans would have loved to have seen. As of this morning, it doesn't look like that. I'm not saying this is coming together perfectly for President Trump. But obviously, uh, Trump's odds in a crowded field are better. Uh, this yeah. morning, a guy who I like a great deal, Tim Scott, jumped jumped into the race. Um, I really like Tim Scott. I don't know look if the if the mood of the of the party changed, Tim Scott could have a chance. If Ron DeSantis unexpectedly falters, I could see Tim Scott turning into the 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 the, the backup quarterback for the folks who don't want Trump to be the nominee um i but i, I maybe, think it's kind
1: of, maybe yeah, yeah he I, scott is yeah. i we can talk about scott here briefly he said you know he he's running he said it's a mm-hmm. launch an exploratory committee or whatever which means 99% yeah. of candidates that say that end up running i just don't think he um i he just doesn't have the the temperament that the base of the gop wants right now like he just isn't that like they kind of yeah, want it, the they they kind of want the culture warrior stuff and 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 I, I don't want to downplay I don't want to I, I hate the term culture wars anyway because these aren't yeah. they talk about like parental it's rights. It's a catch all
0: term that covers uh, a lot from the, the, frivolous the tra- to the very serious. Yeah,
1: the, the, the transing of the kids is not a culture issue. It, it, this is ruining people's lives. This is causing yeah, it, su- it's, it's mass suicide. Burn. It's not. Yeah. Yes. It's not flag burning. It's not the the '90s moms complaining about rap music or like that's culture war stuff you know but uh, Scott and and, you know one of his main gripes too um, whether you agree or not is that the U S isn't sending enough money to Ukraine. And it's like that is going to go over like a Led Zeppelin in the GOP primaries. I mean, like talk about Ohio, my home state. I mean, you think Ohio voters watching the government do nothing to help the poor folks in East Palestine after this toxic train derailment? You seeing nothing, no aid coming to them. You think they're going to buy the line? We should double the money going to Ukraine right now. Like that's going to he'll get booed off the stage if you start talking about that.
0: Hmm. I was going to say what, what I watched his announcement video this morning, what jumped out at me. And, you know, my parents live in South Carolina. Uh, They were constituents of him back when he was in the House and constituents of him now. Uh, I've had a chance to talk to him a a handful of times. Tim Scott is Mr. Positivity, Mr. Sunshine, Mr. Optimism and Good Cheer, Happy Warrior. And you're right, the mood of the party right now is angry. It is fed up with what Biden and the Biden administration is doing to this country. They should be. Yeah. It, It feels like it has been cheated out of victories that it deserved. It feels like it has been, uh, the Biden administration has been, I would say, a comedy of errors, but you start laughing at those. So it's it's been a cavalcade of one mistake after another on the economic front, on the border, on inflation, on grocery prices, gas prices, uh, the way the COVID pandemic wound down, the masking fights, the vaccine fight, you know, every, every little thing in this Biden administration has been um, as antagonistic, like antagonistic as possible. Something Trump said in that interview with Tucker Carlson that I think represents what a lot of Republicans, look, we can see Joe Biden. He is an 80 year old man who rambles about how much he likes ice cream before he talks about a mass shooting. Right. Any of us who have elderly parents, elderly grandparents, other elderly relatives, we've seen people get like this where their mind is not where, you know, like I, we all can, we look at Biden's schedule. We can notice he doesn't do events early in the morning, very rarely before 10. We notice he doesn't do things in the afternoon or in the evening. Uh, we'll do the State of the Union once in a while, but like yeah. basically doesn't do a lot of events past 12, past two in the afternoon. Joe Biden, and he's you know, almost never does more than one event publicly in the day. We know why this is, because he's probably not capable of doing more than one event a day. He's yeah. 80. Yeah. His mind wanders, his voice rambles. We see him shuffling around. We can tell you, know, so we you know. And the idea is, that, oh, he's going to be in better shape two years from now, four years from now, you know, close to six years when he ends as president. You know, we know this guy's not capable of doing this. And Trump had said, it's not really Biden who's making these decisions. It's this people around him. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I yeah. do think there's some significance that uh, uh, we're no longer the Ron Klain era as uh, Chief, White House Chief of Staff. Or prime minister, as some people were joking. Uh, it's now uh, Zions and uh, insert the uh, Dolby, she blinded me with Zions joke here. Uh, Zions, you know, look three since Zions took over, there've been like three issues where Biden has you know broken from the left. Not enough to make conservatives happy, but on the D.C. crime bill, on drilling in Alaska, and there's one other one where like Biden has just just calculatedly mm. uh, taken a step that has irritated you know progressives. And that to me says Zion's is either they're getting ready for the midterm or get, they're getting ready for the presidential run and or Zients is a little less likely to throw a bone to the progressives than uh, Ron Clayton was.
1: Yeah. And that's even worse news for the GOP's
0: prospects, you know, mm.
1: and I, especially if Trump's the nominee. I just don't I, I don't think and that's the thing I I. Unlike you, I did vote for Trump twice. I voted against him in the primary in 16. Then I voted for him twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd vote for him again if I'm forced to. I mean, over the, over the Biden administration. I mean, these people are, are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I would. I'd, but, I, I mean, I, I don't—there's no path to victory for Trump. I think he loses much worse than he did in 2020. Um, the, I mean, the fact that this guy—and this is also not the same. He's not—I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying—obviously, with Biden, it's just pure mental decline, whether mm-hmm. it's— Dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever. I'm not a physician, but like it's not that with Trump, but there is a brain drain with every administration, right? Like you better get yeah. if you if you oh, are, yeah. if you or I are elected president, better hope we get a lot done in like two years because you're gonna have the A team with you, and then the brain drain happens. People start writing mm-hmm. books, people start running for Congress, people move on to other things, and the same thing happens with campaigns. I mean, like the like Trump's campaign strategy now is to pay these goons on Twitter to to make up lies about Ron DeSantis (laughs) Mm -hmm. and reply to famous people's tweets with pro-Trump stuff. And that's his campaign strategy. That's it. Yeah. Like There's nothing else going on, really. Um, And the fact that this guy, I mean, he's just DOA in the the general election. I mean, the fact that he isn't bright enough. Going back to to Gavin Newsom for a second. Mm -hmm. It really bothers me that Trump isn't bright enough to understand that if Gavin Newsom is praising you, you're probably doing something terrible. You know, and and it's just like like policy doesn't even matter to Donald Trump. Like, you and I, for instance, is there one thing that you have in common on policy with Gavin Newsom? Because for me, I don't think so. Like, even as a libertarian, like, I want to end the war on drugs, but I don't want to give out drugs to homeless people, let them defecate in the streets and stab tech billionaires to death in broad daylight. There's no common ground. Like, I have no common ground at all on any policy position, I, I don't think. I mean... Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but with with Gavin Newsom and
0: the only, the yeah, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is that Newsom did get into a fight with the green lefties in California about keeping the state's lone nuclear plant, uh, the um, the ominously named Diablo Canyon. Okay. Oh, uh, if I'm gonna <laughs> if I'm gonna build a nuclear plant, <laughs> Death Valley would be bad. Uh, yeah. Diablo Cali- Canyon yeah. is an ominous name. I suppose Meltdown Gulch. I guess was yeah. the other spot that they rejected. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, so he got, so he was less lefty and environmental on that particular issue than a chunk of the rest of his party. And basically, it sounds like his chief of staff said. The alternative energy proposal put by, forth by the California Democratic state legislators has the state running on unicorn farts or something. Like that. It, it was almost his quote was almost like that, that like, you are that spectacularly unrealistic. So in response to the can you find anything you agree with Gavin Newsom challenge, I found that one issue by and large. He's been a disaster for the state. And I think if you if this is a really heartbreaking whether you are a. Um, whether you remember the California of Ronald Reagan, or you remember the California of even Pete Wilson and what it was in the eighties and into the nineties, it was America's land of opportunity. Like this is where you went to reinvent it. was the America of America, as they said, right? This is where you went to live your dreams, whether it was Hollywood or Silicon Valley when it was starting out and all that kind of stuff. And now it's become a place and you, you, you see these stories where like a half million dollar income does not make you wealthy in most of californias uh, uh, most of california cities yeah. and in fact you fi- you know can you afford a- can you find a place to live yeah can you afford a car yeah are you spending half your life in traffic yeah you know they- you-, you can like you can function at that level but it's not a happy life and i think to most americans in most parts of the country the idea of making a half million dollars a year is more money that they they they're, they're envisioning mr monopoly they're envisioning oh, yeah. a life Feature and joy and you know, all
1: that. Oh, you're you're living in seven thousand square feet in Toledo, <laughs> where I'm yeah. from. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 in a mansion in Toledo. It's just you know, the fact and, and Trump has never been a policy guy. Obviously, he doesn't really understand policies, and it makes like, you know, actually one of the most endearing things he said when he was running for president in 2016 is he's, he's like, the system's corrupt. I would know because I know how to game the system. <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. that's what and and that's true. And he was right about that. And that it was actually a, a clever thing to say. Um because billionaires are impervious to policy. It, it doesn't really, if yeah. you if you have the lawyers and the money to combat it, it doesn't really matter. Unless you're this, the, the tech guy that was stabbed to death in San Francisco the other day, that's the definition of being on the business end of bad policy,
0: but, getting mugged by reality. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Being mugged by reality. But the thing is you and like, you know, billionaires make a boatload of money, whether or not the economy is doing well, you and I don't. So yeah. <laughs> like that's, it's just this huge disconnect. And The thing is that, if you want to call it Trump's leadership style, one could say personality defect, it has real-world consequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, he allowed the global economy to be destroyed because Anthony Fauci knew to suck up to him. I mean, the Democrats won the Senate and blew out spending worse than any regime in American history, causing the worst inflation in 45 years because these candidates, these terrible candidates, kissed Trump's ass and won the nom- nomination and lost huge. Okay, we're poorer. The country is less prosperous. The country is less safe because of Trump's ego. Okay, And like, and the thing is, economically speaking, we can start with the economy. To salvage the economy moving forward, we don't just need to win in 2024. We need a president. We don't just need a president who will stand up yeah. to Schumer and Jeffries, right? The the Democrat spending agenda, which Trump proved he would not do. <laughs> By the way, when he was president, he signed every spending bill in front of them, including the the COVID stuff that really put us down the inflationary spiral we're dealing with now. But we don't just need a president to stand up to the Schumers of the world. We need a Republican president who will stand up to McConnell and McCarthy, too, when they want to spend more money. But then Trump won't do I mean, Trump, would, he won't even stand up to the Democrats, let alone Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, we need somebody who will say, I will not sign this budget unless you make massive cuts. We can't afford it. Trump won't do it. He lo- Because he loves the press—he says he hates the press, but he loves the press. Oh, yeah. He he loves being praised by CNN and the New York Times when he'll spend a bunch of money. He has no problem attacking Republicans from the left on just about anything, especially on the economy. And so the economy is going to get worse. It's so it's like we just yeah. can't afford that. We can't afford it. Trump has learned absolutely nothing. He floated the his team—I mean, his team knows the only way to get him to stop doing something stupid is to leak something to the press, right? So they leaked— presumably Trump's campaign leaked to the New York Times last week that he was going to hire—what's her name? Uh, Laura Loomer. This this ridiculous, ridiculous human being. And then he backed off of it because the New York Times was making fun of him. But it's like this man has learned nothing. He's not going to stand up to the people trying to do nefarious things in Congress. It's like—it's just— we have no chance. One, we can't win. And even if we do, nothing's going to change if he becomes president yeah. again, because he's me working with his own B team. You know, he's not going to have the A team with him. So it's like, I, I just don't, if Trump is the nominee, I just don't have a lot of hope for the next four years, regardless of what happens.
0: Um, I mean, I, the only minute difference I would have with you is that uh, in 2016, a lot of people thought Trump was unelectable and he won. Yeah, uh, sure. I could see a scenario where you know Biden's mental decline becomes ridiculous, and the Democrats still nominate it, or they nominate. You know, she steps down, Kamala it, Harris it becomes was, the nominee. It
1: was already yeah. pretty ridiculous. I don't think the Bidens. T- I think Biden could. I, I don't know. I think I think the Dem- the base of the Democratic Party is so invested on vote mm. blue, no matter who. I mean, it's tough. Like getting oh, yeah. Republicans to vote for somebody they don't like is wrangling cats. Yeah, which. I guess it's good. I mean, yeah, that means Republicans still have a little bit of that rugged Americanism, you know, rugged individualism and, and they want to think for themselves, don't want to be told what to do. And I do appreciate that, although it is frustrating sometimes. But uh, so Democrats by, just by order, think,
0: man. I think maybe a 5%, 10% chance Trump of winning a general election. Uh, very yeah, unlikely, maybe. but not utterly impossible. Economic conditions, all kinds of other factors, stuff like that. Um, but by and large, yeah, I, I concur that, uh, Trump's odds of victory in the general election are not high. Um, I think that uh, what you're pointing to, one of the interesting things about Trump is that as this political outsider, um, he would hire people that no other Republican would come within 20 feet of. Right. And just for perspective, could you imagine any other Republican running for president? Sununu, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, DeSantis is going to jump in. Uh, any, any of these, would any of them have dinner with Kanye West? No. <laughs> right. Like, like, you know, like, like well, sure. But up, not, oh, this well, is great. Let's do that. You know, well, right.
1: maybe they would like a week before Trump did. But, but Kanye West Kanye was in the middle of like a weeks long anti-Semitic yes, tirade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, okay. sure, a couple weeks before, before Kanye West went down yeah. that road. Sure, I'm sure Ron DeSantis and, and, and would. Yeah, come can on! Can you imagine
0: man. the staff surround any of these people saying, <laughs> "Huh, this Nick Fuentes guy? Where do I recognize that name from?" Right? You know, Goodness. like there's nobody around Trump to save him from his own worst, you know, uh, impulses. As you said, that sense of staff decline. You begin your presidency with the A yeah. team, and two years later you get the B team and all that stuff. One of the things worth keeping in mind is that Biden's A team is the FGH yes, team yes. Of, of Obama. In yes. other words, these are the folks who were not good enough for the, the top jobs in the Obama administration. Time has passed, and now they're kind of you know advanced up there. When,
1: when he named Ron Klain as the chief of staff, I think we're all like, really? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's <laughs> White it. White House
1: yeah. chief of staff. I mean, that's a big job, man. I don't know.
0: Uh, and we see the the consequences they got there. So there, you know, there are certain, There's a at least one advantage of this Trump approach of hiring people that nobody like like no other Republican candidate would have interviewed Corey Lewandowski to be yeah. a campaign to, for any campaign job. Never mind yeah. to run their campaign. Uh, a couple of them were were real consultants and experienced. Uh, Kellyanne Conway uh, jumps out as one. But really, Bion, Bannon is not running. Uh, it, Bannon's not getting hired by the Romney campaign. Bannon's not getting hired by any other, you know, many, you know, uh, Republican. So the people who do work for Trump do, some of them do have like really intense loyalty because they realize the opportunity they got with Trump, they would never get from any other candidate. Yeah, and that this, that's, is their their that's their meal
1: ticket. That's their meal yeah. ticket, man. It's their this only job. You know,
0: they, you know, that sense of, it's not like the next presidential candidate, Republican presidential candidate. It's not like you can go work for a Republican Senate candidate. Maybe J D Vance or something, but by and large, you know, like this is your no, only chance. No, I don't think so. No, I don't with. think.
1: I don't think so. I don't think J. I yeah. I mean JD Vance is a lot brighter than that, man. Yeah. Like that's the yeah. thing. And he had a huge pivot away from like not, not away from Trump and he's he like endorsed Trump for re election and stuff, but yeah. he's so emphasizing
0: it, how but, serious he is. And yeah, he's he, got a real policy chops and he cares about this kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: I mean the, and there are good Trumpy yeah. candidates. There's some good populist candidates that I think are okay and and, and politicians that are
0: okay, but it's like Herschel Walker would have been a better example <laughs> for me Right. right.
1: Herschel Walker. Um,
0: you know, but the other thing, thing is, is that Trump also, because all you have to do is tell him how great he is. Trump doesn't really. You know, Trump ends up with a lot of people who, like, like I think we all knew, uh, a breakup with John Bolton was inevitable. Um, now, if Bolton wanted to work for Trump and Trump wanted to hire Bolton, okay. Uh, but there was just very clear. And I, I will give Trump a molecule of credit, probably inadvertently, for having people around him who have different viewpoints. Um, not everybody who like Jared Kushner and Bannon work in the same White House and clearly they see the world very, very differently. Right. Uh, and you can make it work. You know, Lincoln, the team of rivals. Right. You want your cabinet. You want your staff to have a whole different, bunch of different perspectives. So you hear everybody's perspective and ideally it synthesizes into one good idea if uh, you are if
1: you want... standing on principle if, if you have your yeah. own opinions if you have your yep. own if, if you actually understand the policies if you actually understand foreign policy if you know what you believe as a human being that can yeah. work trump does not like you no said, you go from team there. of
0: rivals to nest of vipers and <laughs> yes. everybody's backstabbing each other everybody's trying to undermine each other everybody's in each other's face yeah. and inevitably it's not just that like when they leave they leave on bad terms. They immediately turn around and write their book of, oh, yeah. "Here's the president I worked for. Here's what a maniac he is, and here's why you shouldn't vote for him, and you know he's the worst guy ever." And then Trump's like, oh, why is nobody loyal to me?" Well, you probably, you know, you, you probably should have foreseen that some of these folks were not going to be, you know. Uh, you know. The other thing is, I, I will share this anecdote, and I think it illustrates a lot of the problems in Trump's first term. And I think it illustrates a problem that will probably be even worse in a Trump second term if there is one. Um, Let's say in a normal Republican presidency, you have 10 top candidates for a job like secretary of state or something like that. The way somebody described it to me, who was familiar with this process in the Trump administration in in early 2021, early 2017, um, because it's Trump, five of the people who would ordinarily be your secretary of state choice were, were never Trump and thus couldn't be hired and would never agree to work for Trump anyway. Of the remaining five, five, three of them are in the private sector, are making a lot of money, and don't want to come to work for Trump, where on any given day, some tweet can blow up your day. right? right. You know. Of the remaining two, Trump doesn't like the way one of the two looks. He doesn't like his mustache, <laughs> as somebody put it to me. Now, I don't know if they mean John Bolton, but it was, like, it was just something like Trump was this very visual guy and likes people out of central casting, as he likes to put it yeah um trump so out of the 10 there's one that's left so that's the person who gets the job the people who are willing to do the job willing to work for trump uh is a very small pool of people and i imagine now it's even a smaller pool than it was back in 2017
1: yeah i know and and who would yeah i mean the the people that would want to work like i said i i think you're being generous with the five to ten percent chance trump could win i think it's a at best, a one percent chance. Because I never say never. I mean, anything can happen, but it's just a sub one percent. I, I just don't see. I mean, he's you you can't win a general election without white women. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they hate him. They hate him. White women hate Donald Trump. Independents yeah. hate Donald Trump. I saw Polo, yeah. and, and this this indictment is absolute BS. The, Alvin Bragg has yeah. no legal leg to stand on. It is a it's banana republic stuff. It's a it's a political witch hunt. I totally agree. Trump didn't do anything illegal, or at least anything worthy of prosecution. My my goodness. Um, But 62% of independents said that they they believed Trump should be convicted of what he's accused of. And this is before any of the information came out. This is like two weeks ago. So you're just saying (laughs) Mm. 62% of independents said Trump should be thrown in prison for absolutely no reason.
0: I mean, like, you're, they're, you're like at that they're just saying
1: they're just saying we yeah. hate this man. That's all. Yeah. they're That's all they're saying. We won't vote and for I, this
0: man. I feel like the coverage of the indictment, to the extent I was paying attention to it last week, was actually kind of harsh on Bragg. I mean, that basically, they were arguing, you know, non-Republican analysts on CNN were saying, yeah, this yeah. is really weak sauce, that yeah. this really doesn't lay out what that other felony is. It doesn't you know, it all rests on the idea that what elevates it from a misdemeanor to a felony is that it was done to further this other crime your witnesses of cohen and stormy daniels are going to be really tough there's arguments about the statute of limitations and finally most americans just don't we think wouldn't really care that much about payments to stormy daniels and the idea that well they weren't reported to the fec you know but yeah i I think most people just want trump to go away and go out of their lives and i don't he he will not do that until the day he dies i suspect no no i Um, agree
1: and uh, unfortunately, Trump isn't our only problem. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we're looking at a whole bunch of failed rerun candidates uh, talking about running it back next year. Doug Mastriano, um, who somehow managed to lose a swing state by 15 points. Mm. Uh, I don't even, I mean, that takes some real talent right there. Um, he wants to make sure Democrats hold the PA Senate seat. Um, the guy underperformed Dr. Oz. Yeah, by nearly ten points, Doctor. What, what's your line, Jim? Uh, doctor Oz, the the whirling dervish of oh, oh the, political... Ford,
0: you know, the Ford Pinto of uh, of. <laughs> then he got a little bit better, and I felt a little bit bad about that label. And you know he lost by three to a guy who had suffered a very severe stroke and who demonstrated in the debate that he could not talk. Yes, he had a note from his doctor saying that he was fine, and then he was hospitalized, and then he was treated for mental health uh serious mental health problems at walter reed sounds like he's out i hope he gets better but be clearly his campaign and in fact that doctor's note were a lie john and, fetterman has a long ways to go oh of I course. Hope he does it but i think it's very tough to perform your duties as a senator when you're attempting to recover from a life-threatening stroke with you know god knows how many mental lingering mental health issues
1: oh of course and and mastriano underperformed the guy that lost that guy by 10 points yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't even know how you do that. And then another one, and in, in, he's not a household name, but, you know, this is close home for me. It's my congressional district, the Ohio Ninth. Jared Majewski was our nominee um, last year. He lost to Marcy Kaptur, one of the worst and most, the farthest left members of Congress. She's been in office since 1980, maybe 1982. I don't know. Long, it was before I was born. Okay, I've never been represented by a Republican. Um, and, and, and the Ohio legislature gerrymandered this district. It was like a D plus 12 district. They gerrymandered it into a a Trump. Trump won in 2020. This new newly drawn district by three Mm -hmm. points. Right. Jared Majewski lost by 18 points. (laughs) Okay. So it's like, he's the worst candidate on the planet. He lied twice about his military record, including at the press conference where he was supposed to be apologizing for the first lie about his military Mm -hmm. record. Okay. The guy sent postcards to potential voters with his Rottweilers, with his AR15s, which doesn't bother me, but I'm not a suburban white woman, Jim. <laughs> okay? Like I, I'm a okay, so like I'm a I'm a radical libertarian. Okay? The AR15 doesn't offend me. If you're an independent soccer mom, it might you know that the people who actually decide elections for good, goodness gracious so he announced this morning he's running again and he'll suck up to Trump again he's buddies with Don Jr so he'll get the he'll get the endorsement probably get the nomination he'll get eviscerated in the general again Carrie yeah. Lake is another one I mean she's on a mission to turn Arizona into Massachusetts or something like I just don't I don't even understand what these people are doing other than the fact that they know they can get the Trump nomination by being friendly to him they know they can raise a ton of money they can write books or launch a podcast or you know whatever yeah. go on Steve Bannon's radio show or,
0: it's like you can become a political celebrity by losing a race and in yeah. fact if you win the race you have to be in government and, and that's that, that's work that's yeah boring. it's hard you know, yeah. that, that comes with responsibility yeah <laughs> if you uh, so yeah you mentioned a couple of them. I'm just going to point out about Majewski. Not only did he lose by 18, he lost in what was largely considered a pretty darn good environment for, for Republicans. With oh, yeah. high inflation, people, have, you know, the whole country upset about that. Uh, and he, as the governor and the uh, Senate race were both going to the Republicans, one by a really wide margin and the other by a pretty solid margin. So, like, about as good a set of circumstances as you're going to get, it's really hard to imagine 2024 is going to be dramatically better political environment for Republicans than 2022. And if it is, it'll be at the point where like it doesn't matter who you nominate, right? Um, yeah, no. So when Blake Masters, the, who lost the Senate race in uh, Arizona by a frustrating margin um, last year, and indicated he was interested in running again uh, this this coming cycle, I was not immediately dismissive. I, my, my instincts were to say, "No, you're a loser. You suck. You're you you, you ran a terrible campaign." You're a weirdo. You spent time personally, you know, updating the issues section of your website. You're an off-putting robot in the form that's trying to impersonate a human being. I have all these instincts of like, you know, Blake Masters is not a good candidate.
1: I will say, in in his defense, he is running. He was running against like the Democrats' strongest candidate and best fundraiser.
0: Probably. So I mean, like, so that uh, is yeah, like, yes. that,
1: that's a tough, there were certain... that's a hard lift for anybody.
0: <laughs> my my point to, to, I would say to Blake Masters is, okay, if you want to run again, what did you learn from the last time? Yes. And what are you going to do differently? Yeah. And if any candidate ran and did not succeed, like, like lots of candidates, lots of successful presidents, lots of successful figures in politics did not win their first race. I, by itself, defeat is not disqualifying. Failure to learn from defeat is disqualifying and my question would be you know do you want to have a better get out the vote operation did you feel like you spent too much money in this part of the state versus that part of the state did you wish you could take back some debate answer you know do you what did you not do last time that you're going to do differently that we the skeptical you know voters out there should see as oh this makes you a better bet for the general election you're going to do better because of this um Pardon me for a you know New York Jets anecdote. When the Jets hired arguably not just the worst coach in NFL history, but conceivably mm-hmm. the worst human being on the history of, of humanity, <laughs> Adam Gase. Adam Gase, uh, one of history's greatest monsters. Like so, he had just been fired by the Miami Dolphins. The team, the Dolphins record had gotten worse each year that he had been the coach, uh-huh. and nobody looked at the Adam Gase hire and said, "Wow, that's a great hire. That's great." There was, the entire reaction around the league and the fans was like. Yeah, you sure you want to do this? You mean being
1: Peyton Manning's uh, offensive coordinator had more to do with Peyton Manning than him?
0: His his best buddy, yes. (laughs) Um, Now Bill Belichick first started coaching for the Cleveland Browns and was not a great coach out there. So you know the question is, when a coach succeeds the second time around, usually they've spent at least a year away from head coaching. Sometimes they've joined. Sometimes they take a year away from coaching entirely. Sometimes they end up a coordinator on somebody else's staff usually there's some sort of humbling and mm-hmm. some sort of time away and some sort of distance and some sort of recognition. Huh? You know, I, I didn't handle the, this player correctly. I didn't, you know, uh, manage the roster. Maybe the way we were practicing, you know, they, they review all the decisions they made and they begin to see mistakes that weren't, you know, so evident at the time, if a candidate is willing and you know, then some coaches come back and are much better because they've learned from the experience right mm-hmm. if a candidate is willing to say and willing to do that great i'm willing to with an open mind take a look at them my suspicion is is that most of these candidates are like well you no know, you see the voters are going to realize what a terrible mistake they made by not voting for me the first time and they will be so overwhelmed by grief and regret that they will embrace <laughs> our campaign <laughs> and they will come groveling on their knees saying please forgive me for voting for not voting for you the first no it's not going to work that way if you're the same guy doing the same thing you're running into that einstein saying of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result.
1: Yeah, and that's what they're... I, I haven't seen any introspection from any of these candidates either. It's just like, we're going to win this time. Well, yeah. why, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to win. We're going to stop the voter fraud. Well, whether that happened or not, How?
0: (laughs) Like, what do you like? I'm skeptical, but let's show, show me. What are you gonna do? I would, you know, like, is it? And if your plan is, well, we're just gonna have more guys with guns violate the law by walking around polling places and stuff. No, that's not a plan, right? You know, that's that's gonna get your guys arrested for voter intimidation. You know, yeah. Step one, prove the fraud in a court of law. Two, maybe maybe you could get more folks on your side. And if you're Carrie Lake, maybe you don't begin by saying screw you if you voted for John McCain one of the most popular figures in that state for a really long I time. I know. Regardless of what you think of John. Like well, regardless, of the, what does the... John McCain
1: poll at in Arizona? 75% approval right Probably. now? Yeah. Probably well, higher.
0: Now that you he's know, I'm over.
1: no fan of John McCain. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I disagree with everything. Most things John McCain did his entire career in public life. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, you're an Arizona woman. What's wrong with
0: you? Yeah. It's like, but look, uh, modern uh, political success requires coalition building. And right now, yes. the Republican, yeah, the, the dominant force in the Republican Party—not the only force, but I think the loudest and most most vociferous force in the Republican Party. First of all, they're, they walk around insisting they are the silent majority. Well, apparently, you're also representative of the non-voting majority. Yeah, and it only counts if those people vote. So the first thing is is that if you if you're if your silent majority does not vote, they might as well be the non-existent majority. Yeah. Right. Those are the voters, the ones who get to decide. One of the yeah. things really for a long time, the boring, staid, old-fashioned establishment Republican Party. One of the things it did very well is it got out all those little old ladies who you know would come out to vote on the municipal election in June that where turnout was like five percent or ten yeah. percent. Right. Those voters who took voting as a serious civic duty and they voted year in, year out, every you know, every election, every primary. They cared because this is this was the way they were raised. This is the way their parents were raised. This is, you know, um, they by themselves are not sufficient to win a presidential election or to win most elections. But I think they're yeah. a, you know, if that's your base, you're good because those people are going to show up year after you know, year after year, any, rain or shine, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The blue collar whites, lower class, middle class, like, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, like. They're valuable to have. 2016 demonstrated you can win states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan yeah. if you have those voters supporting you. Unfortunately, since 2016, they really haven't come no. out in numbers Republicans needed them to. And 2018, 2020, 2022 have all been pretty disappointing years for Republicans. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, yeah. so and like, the, you know, the, again, MAGA, like, the MAGA... a, a demographic that votes every single you know, rain or shine for a demographic that eh, they may not come out and vote, depending on what's going on.
1: And a demographic who, that is more heavily influenced by personality. Yeah. You know, like a, a demographic that if a charismatic Democrat like Barack Obama comes around, they'll vote for him because they think he's cool and he mm-hmm. likes basketball. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, you're right. And the thing yeah. is, anytime I say stuff like this, I get attacked by the the MAGA people. You're a rhino. You're a, I am an anarchist. I'm a radical, libert- I'm yeah, more, a yeah. I, I am more right-wing than Trump. I'm more right-wing than you, Jim. I'm more right-wing than yes. any of you idiots in the comments calling me a rhino. Trust me, I'm attacking you from the right. Everything I'm attacking anyone from is from the right. Like, I, Trust me, I, and I understand building coalitions because people that think like me are like 100,000 people in the entire country, Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't have the numbers to win anything with my ideology, so I'm completely dependent on trying to figure out a coalition with people that can actually get us over the over the hill. You know what I mean? And like, and we can end here. I know we're almost out of time, but and I'm, I'm not even saying Ron DeSantis is like my guy, as in as like in terms of ideology. Like if we're talking about like current elected members of Congress or, or governors or something, I you know. Me, personally, I'd be a lot closer to, like, a Mike Lee or a Thomas Massey or Rand Paul, somebody like that. But the painful part of all of this is that we have a blueprint. Like, we we have a blueprint for this, uh, you know, American renewal that everyone wants. And it is Florida. Booming economy, no income tax, growing population. Went from a purple state to a red state in five years. Recent wins under Ron DeSantis, like constitutional carry. The heartbeat bill. Parental rights and education. Last week, universal school choice. These are wildly important. These things keep people alive, like constitutional carry. These help children's education. It helps the families. These are things that are not just important to the Republican base, but beneficial to every citizen of Florida. That these are the things we're going to need. We're going to need to scale Florida up into the whole country if we're going to roll. If we're going to break the back of the left and stop our rapid descent into national decline i mean let's call it what it is and we have a 45 year old popular governor who understands how congress works he was there for 6 years mm-hmm. he understands you know he's a military veteran he understands that he's not afraid to use executive power when it's realistic to do so it's like we have we have it like it's i don't understand as as a right winger as a conservative like, th- this guy's been more conservative or more right wing than any governor in recent memory I mean, more than currently any current GOP governor. I mean, I, I can't even think of a close second right now—Christy I mean, Nome or something like that. I don't know, but she's in a state that doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, like South Dakota yeah, doesn't no. matter. I'm sorry, well, you know, like Wyoming doesn't matter. I mean, it's, of,
0: yeah.
1: so it's like we we have an option. We have a guy who's doing everything Repub- MAGA has wanted. Hmm. He just introduced. He, they're trying to. Uh, they're about to pass like the strictest illegal immigration bill in the country ever. It's like, I mean, he's he's outflanking Trump to the right on illegal immigration, Trump's main hmm. campaign issue. Like, are we going to get these Trump hacks attacking DeSantis from the left on immigration? Right, is that what we're going to see next? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: No, no, it would not. Um, no, like what a, a big question for, for Republicans is 2024 approach. Really, it's the same question we've had for several cycles now. What you, Republican primary voter— what do you want, and and yeah. what? How do you measure success? Because a lot, you know, and because by as you said, every measure, Don, Ron DeSantis has been a success from a conservative perspective, from a Republican perspective, I think from a libertarian perspective. By the way, on behalf of the establishment and quote unquote conservative incorporated Brady, I will sh- I, I will stand by you to say you are not one of us. Uh, <laughs> I will, don't let anyone accuse you of being one of us. But uh, no, like you know that's. Um, and by the way, conservative, incorporated, and the establishment by itself is not enough to win an election either. Yeah. We need to, you know, like, these two sides need each other. Yes, yes. Otherwise, the left wins. And it's so fascinating how much people are like, no, no, I, I will not work with that group. I'd much <laughs> rather live with uh, permanent minority party status. If that's, yeah.
1: yeah. But like, how is that preferable? Like, yeah, my goodness, uh, like even if, if you don't agree with everything DeSantis has done, and I don't agree with everything he's done, but it's like, hmm. goodness gracious, we we voted for Trump and we got, what, 30%? Maybe 20% of what he promised? With the DeSantis, hey, if you can get sixty percent of what he's promising, that would be fantastic. That would be the largest yeah. rollback in government power ever. Yeah. At least the, the defensive charting
0: of very often, but he fights. And what they mean is he writes a lot of ang- back when he was on Twitter. He writes he a lot tweets, of tweets
1: right. about. Him. Yeah.
0: You know, but he fights now means all caps tirades on Truth Social that is only followed by Trump's diehard supporters anywhere. DeSantis, when he fights, like effectively wiped out the Florida Democratic Party. And those of us yes. who have memories of the 2000 election will realize Florida was the swing state, right? It yeah. was the, you know, perfectly balanced measuring, you know, and by the way, it took a long time for Republicans to start winning Senate races in Florida. It took Republicans a long time to start winning governor's races yeah. until Jeb Bush came along. Oh, by way, the way, and- Jeb Bush was actually a pretty darn good governor by, you know, if you didn't want to be president, I get it. We know we don't have a, a monarchy, um, but nonetheless, you look at his record, which is built upon Sort of by Charlie Chris. Charlie Chris is probably the weakest of them. And then built up on by Rick Scott. It took a long a good generation of Florida Republicans yeah. to and, turn and their state. Bush stadium.
1: and Scott. Bush and Scott yeah. both won very narrow victories as well.
0: By about one percent. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know for DeSantis to come along and run up huge numbers amongst Florida Latinos. Oh, by the way, I have a decent record amongst Florida African Americans. Basically like every demographic Everything. He on yeah. phenomenally well for Republicans. Republican. And what's fascinating is we're we're like begging and pleading the rest of the Republican Party to say, hey, give this guy a shot. Yeah. Because I think DeSantis versus Biden ends up being a GOP landslide. Um, Yes. But it's going to be a real struggle to get them there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's just it's not I can't remember a time where we've had an obvious candidate. Mm. I mean, it's like this. It's it's the obvious choice. Like if you're a conservative Right winger, it's right there. I mean, it's if you look at, and we're gonna, DeSantis is gonna tally up a few more wins. I mean, the when's the legislative session end? Is it the end of May?
0: That sounds about right. I, and I think one of the so. things I'm thinking about is that, look, in all likelihood, this is Ron DeSantis with luck. This is the last time Ron DeSantis tries to get legislation passed through the state legislature. Yeah. So he's holding nothing back. This is the, whatever you've ever wanted to do, this is the time to do it. Because if things go according to the plan, you're in the White House and you're no longer the governor of Florida. Yeah.
1: 100 from, percent. From your lips to God's ears, brother. <laughs> well, so, Jim, where can everybody follow you? Check out your show. Uh, subscribe to the Morning Jolt, all that good stuff.
0: All right. So write uh, at National Review, I write the Morning Jolt newsletter every weekday morning. Also write through the corner pretty regularly. Um, I now write as a col- contributing columnist to The Washington Post. Um you can save the booing to the end. Uh, the Washington Post at washingtonpost.com, the opinions page. Uh, I'm listed there. I'm on Twitter at Jim Garrity. So far, I have not left. Uh, I understand Twitter might be a little less popular than it used to be, uh, but I haven't had any fights over Substack or anything like that. Uh, and I do tra- every weekday. I tape the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Corumbus of Radio America, and that all adds up to a pretty full day.
1: Everybody follow Jim. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.